This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Wednesday, 21st of December, 2022, and this is our final daily uh, normal podcast, but do look out for special editions incoming days and through to uh, the eve of New Year's Eve, uh, next Friday the 30th. We've got a uh, Outrageous Predictions podcast up for you tomorrow, uh, one we call the Investor's Wishlist podcast special edition. Those two are already recorded, as are our Commodities and Equities special edition podcast, looking at the longer term uh, for those asset classes. So you can look forward to that in addition to today's podcast, of course. But we also have one reserved for the final day of this year, the final market day, that is listeners podcast. So look on slide two and please reach out to us with anything you would like for us to talk about. We don't care what it is. It doesn't even have to be market related. It can be predictions. It can be specific markets, stocks, commodities, currencies, something totally different. I uh, will put out something like uh, my chili con carne recipe, if that's of interest, whatever you want to hear from us. We'd like to get some more engagement from our listeners on what they would like to hear for this special edition. And maybe in the future, we'll look at doing a sort of a regular roundup and a bit more serious note uh, as well. And please do include your predictions where you see the S&P 500 by the end of next year, the Fed funds rate and the U.S. 10 year yield end of 2023. I think this will be very important for where markets are next year. The last two there uh, for sure, because uh, the macro scenario will be pretty clear if you get those two right. Uh, how do you get in touch with us on this? Go to Twitter at Saxo Market Call is our Twitter handle. And you can also simply drop us an email, marketcall at saxobank.com. All right, let's get to the regular show, guys. Yeah, interesting day yesterday, not really, uh, arguably. We had the follow through lower on that Bank of Japan decision that caused a bit of trauma across fixed income with yields coming in higher. They're still sticking pretty, pretty high, as I'll cover in a moment, but the, the market's stabilizing to a degree. There's a little bit of a talk of a $15 billion, uh, this JP Morgan quarterly options move that could suppress volatility because they're protecting some $15 billion portfolio with a huge put uh, collar spread, something like that. That doesn't sound big enough to affect the, the broader market, but we are seeing the market quieting down a bit here. I don't know if it's betting down for the rest of the year. Uh, and, and we've talked a little bit this morning, uh, Peter, and yesterday, actually, especially with our technical strategist, Kim Kramer. Uh, Larson about the fact that the the first weeks of a new year really are important, and I think next week could uh, you know confirm that as well. Just a brief recap here: if you call, we'll call back to 2021, enormously positive start to the year. Yes, but bubble stocks rolled over badly uh, early in 2021. Uh, I think it was around February March timeframe, but the broader market had a banner year in 2021. In 2022, first weeks of the year were absolutely brutal, and that set up. A, a very ugly year indeed for uh, for the equity market. So it doesn't always work this way. Uh, there was in 2018 a very misleading strong rally that was just a, a <laughs> heading straight into the apocalypse, uh, so-called the big volatility blow up. And we had a, a very rough year that year before the Fed turned around 2019. But just just uh, just an indication uh, that can be a very strong indication for how the year proceeds. But over to you, Peter. I don't know, there's not a lot to talk about yesterday's session. But there is one single stock we will talk about, and that is Tesla, the very ugly and loud, uh, ugly day yesterday relative to a pretty quiet market. Yes, we will talk about Tesla. I would say about the uh, the first couple of weeks uh, of a new year, I, I as an equity guy, find it, find those flows very interesting. Uh, and, and last year, as you said, 
we had bubble stocks rallying and then they rolled over very early in, in February. So that was a bad signal. But if you look at some of the other theme baskets, we had uh, defense stocks, commodities in particular at that point of the time in the year, logistics, India. We're all doing quite well in the early years, and you could very clearly see the positioning also that our travel basket was was doing relatively okay in the beginning of that year. And that was because the early 2021 was, you know, an extension of that momentum that started in, in, in a specific part of the economy, the physical part of the economy after the vaccine announcement back in November 2020. If we zoom in on uh, the price action we saw yesterday, we we rebounding in the S&P 500, we touched almost 3,800. And the momentum of that rebound is continuing this morning. So we are more than 60 points higher from that intraday low yesterday. And you can uh, you can see that some of the things that really uh, were doing quite well yesterday were some of the higher duration stuff, bubble stocks, uh, next-gen medicine, cybersecurity. I've sorted on the, on the one-week uh, performance just to get a little bit of perspective. So yes, we have a rebound, but it has been pretty brutal, uh, I would say, a week for, uh, for a lot of the, you know, technology stocks, etc. And then... On slide four, sometimes a picture says a thousand <laughs> words. And I think this is actually a very interesting chart. So prior to uh, to the pandemic, uh, you, you had Exxon hovering around that $300 billion market value and Tesla below 60, when it is as low as during 2019, almost $35 billion of market cap before it took over. And then during the pandemic with the adoption of green transformation policies, EV, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the Tesla also the I think Elon Musk social phenomenon and his status went to an absolutely new high and Tesla's market value went above a trillion uh, as far as I think late last year and has been sliding over 70 percent and as of yesterday ExxonMobil took over Tesla in terms of market cap and I think it it, it really describes the world how we, we have sort of yo-yoing between different different regimes in just five years and, and and oil and gas really is crucial to the environment we're in right now and Tesla and I think we will talk more about Tesla but Tesla is in a very difficult position I think Elon Musk is trying to think how can he get back and and save this company in in some sorts yeah now let's uh zoom in a little bit because it was what sort of initially moved markets so yesterday certainly fx uh, as we saw one of the biggest moves in the yen and in, in its history yesterday this huge rally big stepwise rally and it's really difficult to know if we're going to get a follow-on move here because after all it's a stepwise policy tweak that doesn't necessarily lead to anything more uh beyond the tweak although of course we are anticipating that under new leadership uh, come april the bank of japan could uh, look to normalize policy more but the actual yield shift is is a one-off and I've tried to illustrate it a little bit here on slide five, where I show uh, the U.S. 10-year yield, which is the, the candlestick, the black in the background there, versus dollar-yen. And you see, for this part of the regime, at least, and certainly in 2022, a pretty strong correlation between that. Uh, and then I show the, the actual 10-year U.S.-Japanese yield spread in blue to indicate that we're not even uh, at new lows here, despite the... the um, the the shift here because it's only a one-off 25 basis point shift and we didn't even jgbs didn't even move that full 25 basis points and yet dalian hits a massive uh, new low here it's just to point out that we we've made the adjustment to get a follow-on move it has to be something else driving things anticipation that's not priced in but somehow in the market's psyche that japan is going to do more uh and or that there's uh, positioning flows that are simply uh, uncomfortable with this move and are getting stopped out and there's a run on uh, positioning here and a run on psychology which which encourages its own flows so 
Uh, just an interesting test here, if especially if yields continue higher, because I think that works against this uh, follow-on yen strength. All right, uh, Ola, I don't know if you've fallen asleep listening to us uh, blabber on here, but let's go over to the uh, precious metals market, because there wasn't a lot going on in the dollar at all yesterday. Pretty sort of sideways action. Yes, a big dollar yen move. Maybe that's the focus in precious metals. I don't know. But I thought it was interesting, despite the the little bump in yields there, to see uh, these precious metals uh, banging on the high suddenly uh, of the cycle here instead of continuing to correct. Absolutely, John. And uh, we, we highlight the Bank of Japan surprise in the in the, in the text there. But I think also uh, generally, though, I think the market was surprised about the reaction. The It was led by silver, which at one point was up more than uh, 4%. Uh, gold also managed its uh, highest close, I believe, in, in sin, well, since August. And I, I think given the fact that the, the dollar, yes, the dollar weakened, but at the same time we had yields moving higher, it, it, it does indicate a couple of things. First of all, that the, the focus right now is mostly, that's basically the algos uh, driving some of these uh, price movements are mostly on the dollar. At the same time, also, we could potentially see some investors basically just a little bit, getting a little bit trigger happy, worried about the potential good 2023 uh, ahead for investment metals, and they want to get uh, get in on the action. It's getting a little bit overboard at this uh, point in time, and as long as we hold above that 21-day moving average on both, you can see that the green line, it's, we've been We've been basically bouncing off that line now for uh, for the past couple of months. As long as we stay above that line, then there's no no reason to start uh, start changing any 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 bullish uh, views on the market. All right, let's uh, look at the FX space more broadly. Slide six, the FX board there on the right. You see that massive uh, yen strength move. A, a move on that scale uh, just, of course, uh, puts these trend readings at incredible levels because it's uh, about a series of uh, it's about a series of uh, where the price is relative to a number of moving averages and where those moving averages are versus one another and it really shifts the uh, uh, shifts everything quite dramatically when you see a move of that scale very unusual uh, so but again is the end going to start trending from this move it's a big move it is a break so we need to watch whether the retracement uh, takes back some of the areas that were broken in the key and crosses uh, dollar yen 130 looks like a fair price for me unless we see something follow up uh, move in yields lower and and risk sentiment weaker here uh, if we look at uh, other action again the dollar is quite mixed uh, interesting to see i think the the kiwi starting to uh, come down again uh, in terms of its altitude it was so remarkable its relative strength in the crosses look at that aussie kiwi chart i put in there and you can see this divergent momentum on the uh, macd i thought uh, the slide couldn't uh, was very unlikely to go beyond, let's call it the 108 to 110 uh, area. Instead, it slid all the way to sub 105 at one point. Just an incredible stretch in the relative uh, dovishness of the RBA versus the RBNZ's insistence on maintaining a pretty hawkish stance. And then uh, I think concerns on China weighing a bit extra on the Aussie as well because of its reliance on exports into the Chinese economy. Perhaps with this move, I think we're starting to carve out a range. Again, the stretch on the relative central bank outlook, I think, is, has gotten, I thought it got as, got as extreme as it could before, but now I really think so, uh, doubling down maybe on that, that view. But um, another data point overnight. So we had a recent Q4 confidence survey out of New Zealand that was very bad. Uh, but uh, we got the monthly one overnight from the ANZ, and that one really dropped badly, 73.8 versus 80.7 in the prior month. That's the worst in the history of the survey stretching back uh, to at least, I believe it was 2004 that that survey stretches back to. So maybe some mean reversion. Uh, certainly, I think for that currency in the crosses, I think it's I think its ambitions are going to be curtailed from here. All right. So any closing thoughts from our daily for our dailies, at least uh, on the, we've got a great uh, conversation with you. That we'll get out to listeners uh, for next week, a special edition on, on the commodities, as I hinted at earlier. But any any final thoughts on what we're looking for between now and when our 
podcast resume in the first week of the new year? Well, I think first and foremost, uh, if from a European perspective, that we we continue to see this uh, mild weather, which is a bit wet and damp, but uh, at least it keeps the uh, consumption of energy down. So um, that's also a reason why one of the reasons why gas prices are back below 100 euros uh, this morning. We've seen quite a significant drop uh, since that uh, initial uh, panic uh, peak we had at the start of December when power prices went uh, went crazy. But it, 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 it is a combination that's well known. Uh, when we have windy conditions, mild weather, record LNG imports, uh, then obviously the, 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 the bulging stocks that we have at the same time all points to uh, to lower prices. So um, it just highlights what we've been saying for a while now that the, the, the crisis for this winter is over. Uh, the next one is obviously still a an, an open question that all all depends on how the developments uh, any developments in, in Ukraine and so on over the coming coming months. But uh, but generally we're we're drifting lower. This will not uh, prevent uh, short term spikes in power prices because if we run into a into a period of cold weather again, which we undoubtedly will, and we see wind dries dies down, then we can see the kind of volatility in power price that we saw earlier this month. So that's uh, that's unfortunate. It's something that we have to live with for now, at least. If we turn our attention from the gas market to the oil market, uh, we're basically seeing the uh, crude oil price starting to to try to uh, to stabilize somewhat. And I think the the news we had uh, over the past uh, 24 hours uh, helps to uh, helps that process. Basically, first of all, yesterday we uh, we had comments from the Saudi oil minister basically uh, out saying that uh, they want to remain proactive and preemptive. There's still a lot of uncertainty. I think they also feel very vindicated uh, by the decision to cut production last month, saying they're responding to, uh, to to change in the supply and demand, not responding to political development. So uh, I suppose for now they are they feel they they feel vindicated by the, by that decision. But it also indicates to me that there is a soft flow under the market. Will defend if we should see renewed weakness in the in the price that weakness potentially is not going to happen as we are now seeing some of the impact of the uh, eu embargo on, on russian uh, crude exports these are just the first couple of weeks of the months where we're actually seeing quite a significant drop uh, it's being reported by the media today i put in that small insert showing the uh, showing seaborne exports and it's, uh, it's almost uh, dropped in half there are some technical reasons for that as well so it will not it will be somewhat higher but at least it does show that uh, russia's ability to uh, export its uh, crude even though it's it's that cheap and a lot of countries in Asia would love to buy it is uh, is troubled by tanker tank owners not <clears> prepared to carry the oil and just finally today look out for volatility around the release of the US inventory report we are seeing liquidity coming down and interest is coming down as well so uh, so volatility is is not going to go away even though we we settle down uh, ahead of year end but uh, i think we are looking at a potential soft floor uh, emerging in the market which will uh, which will prevent the market from uh, from significant losses at the start of the year yeah i've had a, a pet theory in the back of my mind here that one of the reasons that the crude oil despite all the uncertainty it's been this week is that a large part of the market at least the export, the seaborne market of, of Russian crude is sort of semi semi contraband, if you will. <laughs> it's it's something that only a few people want to transact, and maybe that's bringing down the global price of crude uh, a little bit. So it's very interesting to see that there's the shortage aspect of it, but there's also this sort of semi contraband aspect of Russian crude here. All right, let's uh, let's go to uh, the stocks uh, to watch, Peter. And you, we mentioned Tesla. I don't know if you're finished talking about it, but just a really brutal day. Uh, yesterday and then we had the earnings reports from nike and fedex after hours yeah <clears throat> tesla we we've mentioned this stock a couple of times on the podcast it's super critical for the bubble stock segment the kathy woods arc innovation complex 
crypto. We've talked about it endlessly. There is huge overlap uh, in those positions. Tesla has been accelerating to the downside uh, lately, and a lot of large, I think, institutional investors are worried about Elon Musk's uh, lack of intention to Tesla. And also this fact, uh, and I mentioned that in, in some of my equity notes, that Tesla sounded very confident just three months ago on the outlook. And now, three months later, the stock price is down more than 50%, as it's getting pretty clear in both China and Europe, where we have an electricity and energy crisis, that demand is coming down and coming down much faster. As Tesla has rammed their production capacity, so you have sort of a very you know, increasingly mismatch between supply and demand. And the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act has pushed demand from this year into next year because everyone wants the 7,500 uh, federal credit. So it, 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 it's not really looking good for Tesla. And I think, this is my own pet theory, hypothesis, of course, that Elon Musk in some ways is engineering potentially an escape route from Twitter because Tesla is super, super important. It's the collateral that keeps his entire wealth and range of investments together. Keep in mind, SpaceX is still still losing money. They still need to raise money. Maybe at one point he will he will have, he will be forced to come up with more money. The same goes with with Twitter. He's already sold a lot of Tesla shares. This could this could go on, and I think he actually wants to go back and try to uh, to salvage Tesla. I think Tesla is going to have a very difficult, in some ways, uh, next year. And I think that the one hundred dollar per share is I think is that magical number that maybe the market is gunning for. I don't know whether what the Price action we're seeing, John, is is maybe the market trying to gun for a, a pain point for for Elon Musk. I mean, we it, it, the market sometimes evolve into this this uh, what do you call heat seeking missile? How can we pressure this uh, pressure the market? We're uh, yeah, I, I just I had a thought while you're talking about institutional investors, and I think at some point there there's some sort of self fulfilling or self reinforcing downside that comes here because of network effects and because of you had what in your portfolio? You had Tesla. Didn't you know that Tesla was going to fail? So these sort of uh, the toxicity maybe of having held Tesla at this point, it, these these kind of things I think could, can can spark flows that are just sort of outside of aspects like forward earnings potential or revenue potential, et cetera. So yeah, I, I think it's a very interesting phenomenon to watch from, from that angle uh, as well. Yeah, and if we, if we go along uh, with the earnings from, from Nike and FedEx, I was wrong on both accounts yesterday in the today's podcast, I, I must admit. Because I said the bar was set pretty high for Nike and the bar was set very low for FedEx. And interestingly enough, the bar should have been set even lower for FedEx and even higher for Nike because both companies did the exact opposite of what I said. So Nike actually exceeded the expectations and they came out with a pretty bullish outlook, which is in line with that inventory buildup. I think the inventory were up more than 40% compared to a year ago. They're really anticipating continued strong U.S. consumer spending there. So within the discretionary spending, smaller items like running shoes and football shoes and what have you, uh, sports accessories, all all those items are still doing fine. Nike is a proof of that. So also watch Adidas and Puma and some of the other you know, um, Under Armour in the U.S. Some of these brands will definitely be having a field day from from this very strong result from Nike. And then FedEx, exact opposite. They're really cutting costs as fast as they can. They have a very different operating environment. E-commerce growth is coming down. The the, the Consumption patterns are shifting from the mix is shifting a little bit away from online to more physical. It's hurting FedEx, and as you can see here, they came out with a profit warning for uh, for the current fiscal year, and the outlook for uh, for the current quarter's revenue was actually quite considerably below estimates, one billion dollars. So uh, very ugly there for FedEx. All right, let's uh, close out this. Uh, oh no, 
you've got some earnings up today. Sorry there, Peter. You've got uh, Micron Technology, not a small company, reporting. And then one of these, uh, yeah, I don't understand why people take cruises, but they do. So Carnival <laughs> reporting today as well. Well, I think Carnival is about uh, personal taste. So I, I won't go too much into details about what I think about cruise ships or cruise lines. But I would say Micron is a very important company. It's in the memory chip business and memory chips goes into everything from you know, smartphones and all kinds of consumer electronics, uh, cars, etc. They're expected to deliver earnings today with revenue down 43%. The prices are com- coming down. There's a, an overhang of inventory of memory chips. And we have already seen as well lately, Apple's uh, production targets are constantly being revised down by sales side analysts. This is uh, really the heat. And you can see we're back to square. They're almost down to levels where they were five years ago. So Micron technology, expectations are getting extremely, extremely low here. There will be a pivot point here where you can, where the risk-reward ratio for going long memory chips is, is quite interesting. It, sometimes the memory chip industry is very like the shipping. It goes up a lot and then it goes down a lot. It's very cyclical. All right, let's go to the macro calendar. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this. We have the um, U.S. Consumer Confidence Report up today. And uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> PCE inflation will be the final big U.S. data point of the year. That's up on Friday. We, of course, are out in coming days with further special edition podcasts, as noted. And please do get in touch with us with your predictions for the new year, as indicated, and what you'd like for us to talk about. We'll drop a podcast on the 30th next week. And uh, yeah, we'll probably record it the day before. So we'll have a bit of time to collect and collate your uh, results and responses and requests what we should talk about next Friday for our final podcast of 2022. Between now and then, have a very happy holidays for those of you that are lucky enough to take off. And we'll be back with the daily podcast in the new year. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com.